the Rangers are coming off their first ever World Series win, and it looks like everyone else in the AL West is taking a step backwards. On today's show, I'm looking at why the Rangers' future is so much brighter than the others in the AL West, and some concerning news for teams in the AL West who are not the Texas Rangers. All that and more on this episode of Locked On Rangers. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Rangers, your daily Texas Rangers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are locked on to the World Series champion Texas Rangers. I'm Bryce Patrick, a cripplingly addicted Texas Rangers fan, covering this team for 10 seasons, including all five as the founder and host of this podcast. Thank you all so much for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day. If you're not already, you can follow me on Twitter at Bryce Patrick. You can follow the show at Locked On Rangers. Hit subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform and on YouTube, where the best way you can help grow the show is to comment nearly any single thing below. Now, before we get into the random news that has come out about the Houston Astros and a trade that was made by the Seattle Mariners, I want to look a little bit at the free agents that have already signed. There are a couple of guys here who I think were Texas Rangers free agent targets um, and a couple that really impact the Rangers targets from now on. Now, of course, Aaron Noah signed a seven-year $172 million deal with the Phillies. I think that was a guy who the Rangers probably at least kicked the tires on. I don't know how serious they were. It, it felt like he was always going to go back to Philly. The, the need, the fit was just perfect in Philly. He loves Philly. It just kind of seemed like a no-brainer. And then, I believe it was on Monday, Sonny Gray signed a three-year, $75 million deal with the St. Louis Cardinals. I believe there's also a fourth-year option that is a team option, if I'm not uh, if I'm remembering that correctly. He goes to be their ace, a team that needed a lot of starting pitching help, got uh, a lot of starting pitching help. They have signed three starting pitchers, including Kyle Gibson and Lance Lynn as well, reuniting the dynamic duo from the 2010 Rangers rotation, um, a little bit less effective than they were that year. Um, I'm thinking they will be, but uh, hey, the Cardinals have three starting pitchers. They needed probably three, maybe even four, and they were one of the big big uh, suitors for Jordan Montgomery. It was basically a, it has been rumored to be a big three for Montgomery of, well, the only three teams that he's played for the Rangers, the Yankees and the Cardinals. And it seemed like the Rangers were probably the favorite of those three. I mean, the Yankees traded him away in 2022 because they didn't think that he was good enough to be a part of their playoff rotation. And, uh, well, Turns out he's good enough to be a part of a playoff rotation, good enough to be a part of a championship rotation as one of the two workhorses that led the Rangers to their World Series victory this year. And I think that the fit makes a lot of sense. And I think that the Cardinals signing three different starting pitchers, I don't think that the Cardinals aren't necessarily done, but I think that's good news for the Rangers on the Jordan Montgomery sweepstakes. I think that Monty probably won't sign until after, uh, I was about to say Yamamoto. Well, maybe after Yamamoto, but uh, definitely after Shohei Otani. I think the Rangers' top choice is probably still Shohei. And then if they miss out on Shohei, go throw all the money that Jordan Montgomery wants at Jordan Montgomery and bring him back because the Rangers could use some help of some long-term durable starting pitchers. And again, I have said this many, many times over, but that is Jordan Montgomery's most valuable characteristic, and the Rangers could definitely use that. But, I mean, in terms of their overall future, on the, on the hitting side, and for the most part just in general, the Rangers are set up very well for the long term and haven't been very active this winter. They've 
basically just you know protected their guys for the 40 man for the rule five draft and had a couple players exercise their options or exercise a team option in terms of Jose Leclerc and then Andrew Heaney came back on his player option but there hasn't been a whole lot of moves elsewhere for the Rangers or even really a whole bunch of rumblings it's just the Rangers are kind of in on Shohei Otani and they'd like to bring back Jordan Montgomery and it's like okay yeah sure duh Everybody kind of knows this, but the Mariners have already been active. They have traded their third baseman, uh, Eugenio Suarez, to the Diamondbacks for reliever Carlos Vargas and backup catcher Sebi Savala. Now, this is mainly a payroll shedding move by the Mariners, and to me, it just reeked of desperation. It, it didn't really make sense to me. Eugenio Suarez is coming off a bad year last year, not a great second year in Seattle. Offensively, he did play all 162 games, but led the American League with 214 strikeouts. This is back-to-back years that he has led the American League in strikeouts, 214 this year, 196 last year. The batting average was not great as it's you know been in his career, 232. He's 714 OPS, though, only 22 home runs after 30 um, in each of the previous two seasons actually 30 in every full season uh, outside of 2020 where he hit 15 but 30 home runs every single year from 2018 till 2022 this year just 22 home runs a big part of the Mariners not having a lot of great offenses Eugenio Suarez really you know taking a dip down but I felt like there was still another level there for him I mean I, I didn't think that this year by any means meant that he was just gonna be bad and really all you get for him is a an okay reliever with some some nasty stuff, but that's a little wild and then a backup catcher. I, I just don't get it. I don't get it from Seattle's perspective. I, I assume that it means that maybe they're looking at signing Matt Chapman or making another move. Jeff Passan, um, you know, thought about or, or mocked a, a trade for uh, Isak Paredes, the third baseman from Tampa Bay going to Seattle. I think that would make sense. But if they go in right now, their third baseman is... Um, where uh just Luis Arias at this point that's not great it's not great for a team that needs a lot of offense a team that you know their offense was as I've said many times it's Julio Rodriguez and friends of the guys who played you know 200 or 300 plate appearances um with an OPS plus above 110 on the Mariners last year there was uh Cal Raleigh there was JP Crawford and Julio and that's it. There's not a whole lot of offense going for the Mariners, who did have, I'd say, the best pitching staff in baseball last year, if you're talking about starters and bullpen combined. Um, but they need offense. They need a lot more offense than they're getting. And coming up, we're going to look at the you know long-term you know outlook for them and for the Astros, because the Astros also got some, uh, some worrying news that was leaking out the last couple of days that I think is uh, very intriguing for the rest of the AOS, the team that had been the scourge, the champions, the, you know, overdogs for the last half decade in the AOS, the Astros. It seems like there are cracks in the foundation. The Rangers, you know, shoved those cracks wide open in the ALCS where they took all four home games in Houston and, and felt like they had the champs, you know, absolutely reeling. Dusty Baker retired. It just felt like for the first time in a long time, the Astros were actually vulnerable. 
they look like it all season. The Rangers didn't take advantage in the regular season and win the AOS, but hey, they won in the playoffs, and that's all that matters, and they won the whole dang thing. They are now the reigning champs. They are the ones who are the ones to beat in the American League, in the, you know, Major League Baseball, and especially in the AOS. But it seems like those cracks are forming even further with those 2022 champs. And those team, that team that was allegedly ready to reign might not be ready to reign very much longer. We're going to talk about all that and more right after this word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can get 150 bucks in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks if your team wins. You've been thinking about joining FanDuel. There is no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. If you want to bet on the Rangers' future and look at them as going back-to-back as World Series champs, I'm sure there are decent odds at that. If you wanted to look at the Rangers' odds to win the AL West next year, I'm sure there's maybe some preemptive odds on that or maybe even some odds on where Shohei Otani signs as well. So if you want to get on the action, go visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Shout out to the Everydayers for making Lockdown Rangers your first listen every single day. On tomorrow, we shall be looking at some DH options for the Rangers, who they should look at signing, and uh, where they stack up in terms of my tiers for what would make the best impact on the Rangers for the next couple years at DH. Now, let's look at this uh, delightful news that came out of MLB Network Radio. Jim Duquette was on MLB Network Radio, Radio talking about the Astros and the position that they're in, especially regarding their star third baseman, Alex Bregman. And it seems like they are not only in danger of losing Alex Bregman, it seems like almost a sure thing that after 2024, Alex Bregman is going to be a free agent and he is almost assuredly not going back to the Houston Astros. This is a quote from him directly. He said, there is no chance... He is staying in Houston, according to Jim Duquette, which is just absolutely delightful news to hear. Absolutely delightful. And and Duquette went as far as to say if he was Dana Brown, who is the Astros GM, he'd be looking at trading their all-star third base for a guy who has won uh, a championship with them and has been a, a big part of their core. He is a Boris client. So, yeah, there is no way that he is going to not go to free agency and it sets a precedent. There has been a precedent set of the Astros losing their homegrown stars to free agency. He would not be the first one. And also, by the way, after next year, after this this current year, Jose Altuve is also a free agent. He's making $29 million this year. Alex Bregman is making $30.5 million, which is just absolutely wild to me that Bregman is making more money than Altuve. But, um... Yeah, that's kind of where the Astros are. Also, after this year, uh, there is a vesting option for Justin Verlander. He is under contract through this year and maybe the year after that at $35 million. I think that would be all on the Astros' plate. But you look at the, up and down this Astros roster at their, their long-term payroll, and there, there's not as many guys that are you know young and stars under contract for a long time. And you look at the guys who they've let go. I mean, in free agency, you've got Garrett Cole, who just want to Cy Young has been one of, if not the best pitcher in baseball for the last like five years, at least in the American league. I'd, I'd say cumulatively over the last five seasons, Garrett Cole has probably been the best. And then there's also George Springer, Carlos Correa, also Justin Verlander, who they had to go back and get because they had so many injuries and so much mediocrity from their pitching staff this year. 
there have been a lot of guys. The Astros have been one of, if not the best team at growing stars the last five years. Since 2015, 16, that is why they've been so good, is they have got these stars out of nowhere, out of these high draft picks um, a lot of times, and and even more times just out of like nowhere, really. I mean, there haven't been all that many of them that have been super high draft picks. I mean, Bregman was a high draft pick. I think George Springer was also a high draft pick. Carlos Correa was a high draft pick as well. But the rest of these guys have been either trade acquisitions or, or guys kind of out of nowhere. That's really what they've done well is, is grow these starting pitchers that were signed to like $10,000 signing bonuses out of nowhere. But they've also let a lot of these guys walk in free agency. And the guys who they have chosen to sign long term, haven't really worked out all that well. I mean, here's the Astros extensions, these or at least or re-signings uh, in one of these cases, the last you know three seasons. They signed Jordan Alvarez to a six-year, $115 million deal. This was the first year of that deal. That's looking pretty good on the Astros part of, of signing Jordan. But again, there are so many injury concerns. That's why he didn't get more money um, because, you know, He's injured half the time. When he's when he's on the field, he is the Jacob DeGrom of hitters. When he's on the field, he's absolutely incredible. But he's not always on the field as much as you would like. Then they had Lance McCullers Jr., who signed to a five-year, $85 million extension. There are three years left on that deal. And in the two years that he's been on that deal, making about, I think, $17.5 million per year, he's only pitched 47 and two-thirds innings. That was all in the first year of that deal. He did not pitch at all this year. It's kind of easy to forget about him because he's barely pitched the last two years and he's still got three years left on that deal the other pitcher that they've locked up for the long term is christian javier who signed a five-year 64 million dollar deal he's got four years left on that deal it looks all right i mean at times it looked bad this year i mean during the regular season he just did not look like himself and for a couple starts in the playoffs he looked very very good but um in game seven it's not a great start from christian javier and then in free agency, one of their own players who they did not let go because they wanted to sign him so desperately, Rafael Montero, three years, $34 million. There's two years left on that deal. And uh, he was, to put it mildly, not super great in his uh, in his most recent season, the first year of that contract. So the Astros have just not done a good job of deciding who to retain, paying for that talent, um, and you know, actually keeping that around. They have not done a good job of that. And it seems like I, I'm, I'm sure that something is going to be worked out with Jose Altuve. I mean, he's going to be 34 this year, but it's hard to imagine Jose Altuve playing for anybody else. But it seems like a surefire deal that that Alex Bregman is going to be going elsewhere. And, you know, the fact that the Astros have been so good at getting these young, good players out of basically nowhere. I mean, they did it again with Yiner Diaz of just an absolute robbery from Cleveland and turning him into a great everyday player. Um, but you look out, you look around at the rest of their young core, and it's not quite as good as the Rangers. Look at the young cores of all of these three teams at the top of the division. Um, no offense to the A's and the Angels, but I, I don't really think that either of them are competing for even a 500 record in the next two, probably three, maybe five years. I mean, we'll, we'll see. Angels maybe in the next two to three years we're fighting around 500, but they're not fighting for the division for a long, long time. So let's look at the cores of these teams in the ALS. Now, in terms of core players, this is future core. Um, what I'm considering a core player is is a guy who I think is at least an everyday caliber player and has at least three years of team control. It doesn't have to be you know under 25 or whatever. This is just a player who is going to be a starter for you just 
baseline starter. That's that's what we're setting this at now. Um, whether it's a starting pitcher, that's somebody in the rotation. Um, and for you know starting position players, obviously that's starting pretty much every day at whatever position. And this is just three years of control. So let's look at the Mariners. The Mariners, you look at their pitchers. They have six pitchers that are part of their core. You have Luis Castillo, who's got three years at minimum of club control with a vesting option, I believe, for the fourth year. Robbie Ray, who you'd be forgiven if you forgot about him, but he's still got three years of team control. And I think he's at least an average starting pitcher whenever he is healthy and on the mound. And you got Logan Gilbert, who's got four years of control. George Kirby, who's got five years of control. Then you have Bryce Miller and Brian Wu, who both have six years of control. That's six guys with at least three years of team control, most of whom are on the right side of 30. That's nuts. That is not something that a lot of teams can, or almost any team can do, is, is grow that kind of homegrown rotation. Uh, well, for the most part, Luis Castillo was not homegrown. Robbie Ray was not homegrown. But the other four guys, having four homegrown starters that are all, you know, Above average quality, maybe Bryce Miller and Brian Wu aren't too above average. They're at least average, capable starters. Um, but that's nuts, and that is why you know Seattle has been so good these last couple of years. Now, you look at the hitter side; it's not quite as bright a future. You do have Julio Rodriguez, who's got 11 years of team control left. You got J.P. Crawford, who's got three years of team control. You get Jared Kelnick, who I think is on the fence of what I consider an everyday starter, but I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. So he's got five years of control. And then Cal Raleigh, who's got four years of control. So that's four hitters. That's pretty solid. But again, none of those hitters, I mean, Crawford is was really good last year. Raleigh has, has shown some some peaks and valleys, but again, that whole offense is incredibly streaky, including Julio Rodriguez. Is, you know, he basically finished top five in MVP voting because of one month where he just set the entire world on fire. But you also look at their top 100 prospects according to MLB Pipeline as of right now, um, not updated for 2024, but updated at the end of the 2023 season. They've got three guys in the top 100. All of them are in high A, though, so none of them are really coming up you know, anytime soon, I believe. We'll see. They could be really aggressive with them, but I, I just don't see them coming up next year. I think their projection was like 2026 for most of those guys of when they come up. Now let's look at the Houston Astros in terms of their core. You look at pitchers, and they've got two, but it's much less than six. Granted, six is an unrealistic expectation. I don't know that anybody else in baseball has six starters that are at least, you know, major league starting pitcher rotation, you know, average um, under team control for three years. That that's there, there's nobody like that in baseball. But two is is not all that many. They got Christian Javier for four more years. And, um, yeah, he was at the back end of what would be considered MLB average during the regular season. Again, you know, him in the playoffs is a different animal. But then the other guy is Lance Picolers, who's got three years of team control. And like I said, he's had a lot of injury problems the last couple of years. I mean, he has really just not been able to stay healthy. I'm wishing him the best and hope he gets back on the hill. And the Rangers just, you know, hit him very hard and, and make him look bad. I don't wish injuries on anybody. I wish everyone in the AL West uh, outside of the Rangers was bad, but not injured. The difference. But let's look at the hitters on the Astros. They've got four hitters that are have team control of three years or more. They got Jordan, who's got five years. Yiner Diaz, who's got five years. Jeremy Pena, who just had a really, really down year at four years of team control. And Chaz McCormick, who has got three years of team control. The new top prospects, the guys in the top 100, they have zero. 
zero top 100 prospects for the Astros. That's really interesting. I don't know the last time that that happened. That's because a lot of their young pitchers who were supposed to be absolutely incredible this year um, just kind of weren't. I mean, JP, JP France was kind of a big bag of mid. Hunter Brown was extre- more like Homer Brown towards the end of the year, just very home run prone and, and not nearly um, as electric with the stuff as as we thought. And yeah, having zero top 100 prospects, that is that is not a place that you want to be. Coming up, we're going to look at where the Rangers stack up with these guys and why the Rangers have an advantage, not just on the field, but also in the ownership group. Right after this word from our sponsors. Shout out to the Everydayers for making Lockdown Rangers your first listen every single day. On Thursday's show, I'll be doing a mailbag answering all of your questions about this offseason, what the Rangers have to do, what they should prioritize, whatever questions you're wanting to ask, drop them in the YouTube comments, or I will be doing putting out a tweet by the time you've seen this, asking for questions on Twitter. Now, let's take a look at where the Rangers core stacks up. You look at pitchers in the Rangers core, guys with three plus years of control that are at least you know, average MLB starters. You've got Jacob deGrom, four years. Well, we all know the deal with Jacob DeGrom. Pretty good guy to have under contract, but again, you would like him to be a little healthier. Whatever. We, we know the deal. And then Dane Dunning, who's got three years of control. That's not ideal either. <laughs> it's really not ideal. It's not that much better than where the Astros are at, except obviously when Jacob DeGrom is healthy, he is better than Lance McCullers Jr., but he is not going to be pitching until probably at least August this year. We'll see whenever he gets back and what he looks like whenever he gets back. And Dane Dunning is fine, solid hero of the regular season for the Rangers, but not exactly top-end guy. But then let's look at hitters. The Rangers have nine hitters that fall into this core group of guys who could be everyday starters on a decent big league team and have at least three years of control. You got Corey Seager, who's got eight more seasons of team control. Amazing. Evan Carter, who's got six more seasons. Marcus Simeon, five more seasons. Josh Young, five more seasons. Ezekiel Duran, five more seasons. Leo Tavares, four more seasons. Adoles Garcia, Jonah Heim, Nathaniel Lowe. All of them, three more seasons of team control. That's nine guys. That's an entire lineup of team control for three more years at least. At least. Six of those guys have four more years of control. And five of them have a half decade of control or more. That's not even talking about Wyatt Langford, who is probably MLB ready at this point. We'll, we'll see if he actually gets up at the beginning of the year or if the Rangers want to give him some extra seasoning in AAA. But let's look at the Rangers' top 100 prospects on MLB Pipeline. There are four of them, which is more than everybody else in this division. Well, at least the, these other three put together, which granted the Astros having a zero helps that math, but still. It just kind of shows where the Rangers are at. Now, even if you take out Evan Carter, because he's already in the big leagues, and you say, actually, well, you know, because he went on that World Series run, I don't think that I should count. Well, the, the Rangers still have three, and that's still as many as these other two teams put together. That's nuts. The Rangers are in such a good place for their longevity, and not just because of the product on the field. But, I mean, you look at these this young core of, of hitters, that's more than the Astros and Mariners put together. Nine guys that are at least everyday starters, that's more than those two teams put together. Again, that's still not even counting White Langford, which is absolutely bonkers of how good this team has done at getting these young, controllable, or just old and controllable under big free agent contract hitters. Either way, it works. 
And the Rangers have been a team that is willing to spend money in free agency and spending it well. Because, you know, the Astros keep talking about how, oh, well, the Rangers spend so much money. Well, as of right now, the Houston Astros, uh, for the 2024 season, have a higher payroll than the Texas Rangers. Just just in case you forgot that. $800,000 is not that big a deal. And the Rangers will probably spend more this offseason than the Astros will. But still, for right now, it's a fun little note to throw in there. And again, you look at these other contracts, these contract extensions the Astros have signed that have not worked out uh, for the most part. I mean, Javier seems fine. Rafael Montero seems like a bad deal. Lance McCullers being hurt. That's not great. Jordan, that's that's fine. That's a fine contract. But the Mariners, who just don't spend in free agency, and I've been seeing teams you know, projecting them to maybe get Yamamoto and, and Shohei, which... Either one of those guys feels like way out of their price range. I mean, that team is, has, I don't think, ever been in the top 10 in payroll in Major League Baseball, uh, let alone, you know, signing both those guys. I put you in the top five, maybe top three. Like, that that would be just a massive jump in payroll for, for the Seattle Mariners. But, again, the Astros have also been willing to spend money, which is good. Teams should want to spend money. And especially if you're winning a whole lot, then your owner should not be, you know, cheap and refuse to spend money and just say, oh, I'm just going to pocket all this and buy myself a new yacht. And uh, that's actually better for you, the fan of my team, than uh, you, me spending money on a good player. That's not how it should work. It, it just shouldn't work that way. But the last couple of years, the ownership of the Texas Rangers and the owner of the Houston Astros have gone in kind of reverse directions in that the, the Rangers owner has decided to spend money and be hands off and say, okay, I trust my my GM, I trust my front office, I trust, you know, the team that I've put together to go make smarter baseball decisions than I am because I am smart at making money being a billionaire doing business things and I pay them to be smart at making baseball decisions. Whereas Jim Crane of the Astros has been a lot more hands-on in the decisions of who to sign, what kind of, you know, free agents to have and even the the GM search for a while they did not have a GM coming off of a world championship. They've you know, fired their, their, let their GM go and just didn't have a GM for most of the offseason. And that Rafael Montero deal is, is kind of like a no one era deal when he was the only, when he, the, the moves that, that Nolan Ryan was making in charge of the Rangers, it was like, you know, the um, Lance Berkman deal. That was the kind of deal that no one made as opposed to JD. So if you're still in the no one versus JD camp, please, I don't know what you're doing here. I don't, I don't know what you're doing in general. Um, but like, that's what happens when ownership and guys who are not, you know, actual front office guys are in there making decisions and, you know, letting Verlander go, letting Korea go, letting all these other guys go has been kind of Jim Crane's thing and, and not spending money to retain some of the young players. I mean, they talked for the longest time about wanting to retain their, their young, great players. And they've, they've got a few of those. I mean, they, they've got, they've got Framer Valdez. They've got Kyle Tucker who were both under contract for two more years, but neither of them have signed extensions. Neither of them have. Um, they haven't signed Brian Abreu to an extension. Uh, maybe it's because of that two-game two suspension that he's going to get uh, next year, um, which uh, is going to be really funny to watch. They haven't signed Jeremy Pena to any extension at all, but granted, he's still pre-arbitration, so like it feels premature doing that as well. They haven't signed you know, their star, Jose Altuve, to any contract extension. He's going to be a free agent after this year. That feels kind of nuts to me feels absolutely nuts to me and it feels like it's going to continue going that way of you know letting jim crane do whatever jim crane wants to do because he's the owner and that's what happens and that is where teams get into you know 
scary bad situation. It's kind of what happened with the Dallas Cowboys. They had a you know a great organization in prime position to be great for a long, long time. But in comes this boisterous owner who wants to make it all about him, wants to make all decisions, and uh, we we see where it has gone from there with old Jerry Jones and how he has driven the Cowboys into a mire of mediocrity for most of my lifetime, and I'm nearly 30 years old. So. I'm hoping that's what happens with the Astros and Jim Crane goes the Jerry Jones route and wants to be all hands-on and make everything about him and make all decisions as opposed to letting the very smart baseball people who built a team that was the scourge of baseball that was so incredibly good and, and such a well-oiled machine of player development, talent acquisition um, into the ground. That would be great. I would love that. And the Mariners are just not going to be able to spend to be at the top end of the markets. It's always hard for them to get free agents and they play in a very pitcher friendly park. So they're going to make some very shrewd trades to improve that offense, which is still not great. Still, still the best pitching staff in baseball. I'd say next year, unless like I, it would take a lot for, for anybody to supplant them in my mind of having a better, you know, bullpen and starting rotation combined than the Mariners next year. But if they can't hit and they just trade away one of their best hitters and they keep, you know, not being able to improve the offense, they're not going to win the AL West next year. They're not going to be, you know, in contention. They're going to be around a fifty-four percent win margin, as um, Depoto said. That which is their goal, which is fine, um, but it's not good enough to win the AL West. It's not good enough to be a wild card team. Um, and if that's where they want to build their team, that's what they want to be like. Then um, it bodes really well for the Rangers, honestly. I mean, having this combination of young talent, of a smart GM that has built a very good, sustainable team, and having an owner that spends his money and gets the heck out of the way is such an overwhelming advantage that the Rangers have that it seems like the other teams in the AL West do not. Either they have owners that spend money but spend it wrongly or want to wield too much influence, whether that's um, you know Artie Moreno, whether that's Jim Crane, um, or owners that just don't want to spend money, whether that's John Fisher or whoever the heck owns the Mariners, because I literally do not know, which is probably how most owners should be is you shouldn't know their name um, because that's the mark of a good owner is spending the money and stepping away, which is what Rangers ownership has thankfully done. But I mean, looking at the the core of these young players, looking at how they're only going to get better. I mean, Evan Carter was a rookie last year and played in what, 25 games in the regular season. If that, um, I think it was 23 games, excuse me. Then you have, you know, Leody, who's still coming into his own, Josh Young, who was a rookie last year, Nathaniel Lowe, who had a down season, Jonah Heim, his first all-star season, Adolis Garcia, finding his stride as well. I mean, the sky is the freaking limit for the Texas Rangers. I mean, not to mention whoever they sign in free agency, whether it's Shohei, whether it's Jordan Montgomery, whether it's, I don't know, just Josh Hader and, you know, Lucas Giolito. Like, this team is set up so incredibly well for the long haul, and especially when you look at the other teams in the AOS that are absolutely floundering right now, which is just chef's kiss. Absolutely delightful. <laughs> this is, you got to feel incredibly good about the Texas Rangers future to be finally win the AOS for the first time since 2016. But hey, even if they don't, they don't need it to win yet another World Series. That's going to do it for today's show. Thank you all so much for listening and subscribing. And until next time, don't forget to enjoy World Series champion Texas Ranger baseball.